0: In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart.
1: Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is the internationally acclaimed OGGNHSE podcast that's served in over 134 countries and is sponsored by KnowledgeVine, the leader in human performance improvement training and technologies. KnowledgeVine is committed to reducing the frequency and severity of workplace errors by helping organizations leverage technology to easily create a sustainable safety culture. KnowledgeVine is the evolution of human performance, and you can learn more at KnowledgeVine.com. And then depending upon when this podcast is produced, I think there's still time by the time, if if you hear this, when it first comes out, Knowledge Vine is sponsoring in association with the HP Community of Practice, the second annual human performance and action conference. It's going to be held in Houston, Texas at the downtown Hyatt Regency, April the 17th through the 19th. The conference theme is identifying and managing risk, the science, data, and application of working safely. And my listeners can get a discount on the already very, this will actually be the best safety conference you can go to this year. And it is the most economically priced. But my listeners can get a discount by using the code OGGNHSE podcast. All right. Today, my guest on the show is Miss Tiffany Rice. Tiffany, thanks for coming on the show today.
0: Oh, thank you for having me, Russell. I appreciate that.
1: Well, I'm excited about having you for a couple of reasons, but one is is we're going to talk about a topic that I think is extremely important to this industry and especially in the area that you're an expert in. So Tiffany, let's talk about that. Let's talk a little bit about you. I'm looking at your Credentials here. You've got a master's in safety. Is that correct?
0: I do. Master's in safety from West Virginia University. From and my bachelor's was in safety as well. So I usually tell folks it's it's really all I've ever done.
1: (laughs) Okay. And you have a CSP, of course. Yes. And now Tiffany, I'm actually at an office on the ninth floor in Houston, Texas, overlooking what's called the, the galleria area. Where are you?
0: I am located in Morgantown, West Virginia, and the Safety and Health Extension Service is at what we call Waterfront Place, and it is University Building right on the Monongahela River here.
1: Yeah, and nobody can spell that, much less hardly say it. <laughs> that is one of the major rivers. So, you not only Tiffany graduated from West Virginia University, you're actually now a professor at. West Virginia University, correct?
0: Yes, I'm an assistant professor with the Extension Service and in the Department of Safety and Health. And we're a little bit different from the typical safety management at the engineering college because our students are professionals in industry and a lot of those professionals being from the oil and gas industry.
1: Okay, so tell me a little bit more. this program is already for grad students who are safety and health professionals. Is that what you're saying?
0: Sure. So what we do here at Safety and Health is that we are an OSHA training institute education center. And there are approximately 25 OTICs across the country.
1: Okay, now what does O-T-I-E-C stand for?
0: Yeah, OSHA Training Institute Education Center.
1: Oh, okay. All right.
0: Yeah. So we're called the National Resource Center. That's the name of our center, but West Virginia University is the lead in that consortium. And then our consortium partner is CPWR, or the Center for Construction Research and Training. So together we make up... What is the National Resource Center? We're an OSHA training institute. And so we are offering the OSHA numbered courses. So for instance, a lot of folks become OSHA 10 and 30 hour instructors. You have to go through an OSHA ed center to be able to do that.
1: And we're one of those. And then in conjunction with this, you focus a lot on like workforce development. Would that be the proper way to say it?
0: I think that's the good way to say it. Workforce development specifically for safety professionals. Ah. So we are taking, we're seeing just an influx of operations based individuals who are interested in transitioning to a safety career or, you know, even safety graduates who, you know, want to further their education through certificate programs and various courses that we offer. So, we help, what we like to say is we help to build that workforce of safety professionals for industry.
1: And, well, you mentioned this construction uh, consortium that you're involved with, and so that would entail plethora of Various or all industries, but particularly, you have a focus in oil and gas?
0: We do, we do. So, here for about a decade, our office has had an energy focus, and that was really you know, when this area, when the Appalachian Basin started to just really get busy with the gas industry, we came alongside the industry and helped to develop some training courses. And then as a part of this workforce development initiative for safety professionals, we offer four different tracks for folks to choose from. So, for instance, one is general industry, one is construction, one is maritime, and then we have our our specialized oil and gas track.
1: Ah, okay. Well, that's where I want to kind of center in on. Tell us about that.
0: Sure. So that program was developed using the model of a lot of education centers across the country have certificate programs. But that oil and gas specific track, it includes courses such as the OSHA 5810, which is the OSHA standards for onshore you know, EMP. So you've got four days of learning OSHA standards and then, how to apply that to the oil and gas industry. That's just one of the core courses. Other core courses in that are accident investigation and safety and health management and job safety analysis, record keeping for OSHA. So, those being the core courses, you can see through that, you know, standards, record keeping, incident investigation. We're really helping to create or help further along just a well-rounded knowledge of safety. And then all of those courses being for the safety professional and then the oil and gas specific side of that being the 5810 and looking at those standards. And then we have a specific oil and gas electrical course for them to go through. So there is some opportunity for the student to pick electives and kind of tailor themselves, specialize themselves. But, you know, we think that through the program, we're just creating this really well-rounded safety person. And from our experience, Russell, you know, we have seen folks coming out of operations, coming out of one of our biggest success stories is this. We had a student who was a parts laborer in a warehouse for a local frac company, and he signed up for our certificate program, took him about a year, year and a half to complete that, and now he is the <laughs> district safety manager for a rather large gas company. And so he just completely changed the trajectory of his career path and kind of, and it was, you know, he took a lot of that initiative and he just, he said, look, I want to do something different. I see safety as a viable career path. How can I get into this? And he didn't necessarily want to go back for a four-year degree or go back for a master's degree. He wanted a little bit quicker way to get a lot of good knowledge and then to jump into it.
1: Well, that was going to be my next question. So he didn't have a four-year, you don't have to have a four-year degree if you decide you want to take the certification
0: program. No, you do not have to have a four-year degree. Oh, wow. And again, we're just seeing a lot of folks who have been in the industry and have that operational experience, but want some type of credential to make a career jump.
1: Okay. So I want to do that. But I'm here in Houston, and you're in West Virginia. Do I have to go to West Virginia?
0: (laughs) Good question. No. We have a lot, you know, after COVID, a lot of our courses, we had never taught virtually before, but we shifted most all courses virtually. There are some courses to where you would have to come to West Virginia, or, or you have the opportunity to take the same course but at a different education center, OSHA, Training Institute, Education Center, closer to you, and then transfer that in.
1: Okay. And I think you said already there's, what, almost two dozen of these centers all across the country?
0: Correct. Correct. About 25. It changes every so often, but it's hovering right around 25 different education centers across the country.
1: And so how do you find these education centers? Is there a website?
0: Sure. I mean, on OSHA.gov, there is a section devoted under their training tab just for the OSHA Training Institute Education Centers, and then each of those will be listed out. You're even able to find courses and search courses there on OSHA's website.
1: Okay. All right. So, the boom came to West Virginia, oh, what would that have been, 2010 Yeah, Somewhere in that neighborhood, we all learned how to do horizontal drilling and and all that sort of thing. And so things really boomed around there. Was your background, I mean, and so you said y'all started this specific core certification program for oil and gas. How did that evolve? Did some of the operators come to you and say, we need this? Or how did that happen?
0: A great question. So right around that time, that 2009-2010 timeframe, we received what was an OSHA Susan Harwood Training Grant. So through that grant development process, we worked with operators, local companies here in the region, and safety professionals with gas experience to develop a course that was then used for the following year to train workers in this region about oil and gas hazards. So that's been, like I said, about 13 years ago now. That course has since transformed, and it's, you know, no longer a grant course, and it's changed throughout the years. But currently, you know, where we went as WVU is we looked at Safeland, Land. And that's where that connection with Bill Walker, where you made the introduction to us, came. And WVU started delivering Safeland USA, the orientation course, for several years, for almost a decade now. And then most recently... and
1: Wait, wait, wait. you're still doing the Safeland?
0: We are. We are. Most recently, as of June 2022... We are an official Safe Land accrediting organization, one of only three in the country where you can go and take a train-the-trainer course for SafeLand.
1: Okay, so SafeLand accrediting...
0: Organization.
1: Organization. Mm-hmm. So, if I want to become a SafeLand instructor, this is what I would have to do?
0: That's correct. You would have to go to one of the three organizations, and WVU is one of them.
1: Okay, all right. So... Tiffany, as we talked about in the beginning, uh, your undergrad's in safety, your master's is in safety, then you've got the CSP. Have you always been, so your background is safety, has it been in industry or or have you stayed over on the educational side completely?
0: Oh, no, no. I spent time in industry. I started right out of school. Russell, with the military defense contracting. So I moved to Washington, D.C., and I started working with a defense contractor there alongside the Marine Corps. And that was a wonderful experience working on heavy equipment and and some things. But I got homesick. So I moved back to the hills here of West Virginia. And around that time, we started to see the gas industry boom. And I was able to spend some time working as a safety coordinator with an operator. And then I was the district safety manager for a hydraulic fracturing company before okay. coming to the university.
1: Okay. All right. Well, see, that's, I wanted to find out if you were really qualified or if you were just an egghead, you know. So.
0: Not- No, no, no. I spent my time boots on the ground out there on location.
1: (laughs) I'm just kidding. But the other reason for asking that question, okay, like the military aspect that that you were involved in as it related to safety, and you didn't really, I mean, you don't have a a petroleum engineering degree, or you don't have oil and gas specific experience until you met this operator after you'd come back to West Virginia. So I'm always looking for safety professionals and experts like yourself who have experience in other industries to get their perspectives on other industries as it relates to health and safety in the environment, even on the oil and gas side. Do you see tremendous differences or do you see similarities or what?
0: Sure. I mean, you know, in my experience there with the defense contractor was very system safety based and, you know, analyzing hazards and then reducing risk on based on those various hazards. But when I went to the gas side, you know, and, and in the oil and gas industry, I realized really quickly that this industry is so transient, so mobile, so you know different from so many other industries. And I often describe it as, you know, we're kind of like a traveling circus because we're we're going to all these different sites. We're setting up, we're tearing down.
1: That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, and it's and what that brings to the table with the transportation related events, with the on-site, just whether it's struck buys or mobile equipment used on site, because we're just always moving. We're either, you know, they're working or we're, or we're setting up or we're tearing down. And that is just so unique, I believe, to us and, and and makes it so different. I think that that our industry has made tremendous growth in regards to safety in the last decade and, and more so in the last five years. But we still, you know, we still have a long way to go, I think, to make it a bit more systematic and based on my experiences and, and you know, and that was more government based, but I think we can always learn from maybe incorporating some of those those tasks.
1: Yeah, well, talking about process safety, I interviewed the Baker Hughes' number one process safety guy. One of the things that he says is when it comes to safety, you've never arrived you know, there's always if you ever think you get to the point that you've you've arrived, you probably need to take another look at your processes, you know, because you have to it has to always be progressing and you need to be striving every day to make sure you've accomplished these or you are accomplishing these goals. You got any interesting I think people who listen to these podcasts think we script these things and Those who listen to my podcast, they know I don't script them because I always ask questions that I don't know the answers to, you know, but uh, so we didn't script this thing out, Tiffany, but any particular interesting stories or perspectives or any particular insights on safety that you're particularly passionate about?
0: Particularly passionate about. So I'm passionate about leadership training, to all of our workers, not only management, not only supervisors. And that spark really came out of our project that I was involved with, with our consortium partner, the Center for Construction Research and Training. They developed what was called Foundations of Safety Leadership, which is a two and a half hour program. It's now an official elective if you do a 30 hour for OSHA. But I love the foundation of that program and what it meant and have been using that most recently to train oil and gas workers. And just the, what we have seen, the growth that we have seen from that training, you know, various training courses of those workers, their knowledge of leadership skills, their understanding of what it takes to actually lead someone and be a supervisor and, how to recognize folks for a job well done, how to engage folks out on location to be all in it for safety, these are not things that come naturally. And unless we do our due diligence to train our workforce on how to manage well or how to be a part of this thing we do called safety, it's not going to happen you know, without a little bit of effort or not done well. So I think preparing workers, back to my my passion, is to prepare workers to know how to do this thing we do called safety.
1: You know what, Tiffany, that's great. And I don't want to use this as a derogatory term, but if I heard what I think I just heard you say, you're teaching leadership principles to the lower echelon, who maybe, and again, I don't use that term in a derogatory manner. It's just that, you know, generally you have, you know, you have the executive level and then you have the middle management or the leadership or supervisory level, and then you've got your worker like you're talking about. And even though they may not be in that leadership position, you're still teaching them those principles. I think that's, I think that's a great idea.
0: That's right. I mean, you know, we just saw that, so many times leadership training is given to management, right? Given to the executive level, occasionally to, to supervisors. And, but really, there's a lag there with the supervisor training as well. And what do we do? We, when someone is just really good at their job, we promote them and say, well, congratulations, you're so good at the task that you do, the trade that you you do, we're going to now make you a supervisor. And sometimes that is a blessing, and sometimes it's a curse.
1: <laughs> because absolutely. now we
0: have all these additional responsibilities. But did anyone stop to tell us how to do that well? How to lead now a crew well?
1: Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, that goes back to the old Book, I guess, in the 80s called The Peter Principle, if you remember that one.
0: I don't remember that one. But-
1: oh, you don't? Okay. All right. Well, that goes to show Ch- you, Tiffany, you're much younger than I am, you know. But, well, I give you an illustration of it from the oil and gas industry. There's this story told about these rich oil and gas tycoons, and they always went on a annual bird hunt, this exclusive hunting lodge every year, you know. And there was this dog who was the absolute best bird dog in the world, you know, and these guys actually paid extra to get this bird dog and a bird dog's name was Salesman. So they had Salesman for years. So they show up as usual the next time and they check into the lodge and they say, well, of course, we'll be hunting with Salesman this afternoon, right? And they said, no, you can't have Salesman. And they were indignant. They said, what do you mean we can't have salesmen? We've had salesmen for years, and we pay extra money so we can have salesmen. Guy said, you can't have salesmen. And they said, well, why not? They said, oh, about three months ago, we promoted him to sales manager, and he hadn't been worth a darn (laughs) (laughs) since." And the idea behind the Peter Principle is, you know, And that's a specific example right there. It happens in sales all the time, but as you mentioned, it, it happens in any situation. So you take a person who may have all the skills of, say, a salesman, and because he excels so, then you put him into this other position, and the skills that he naturally had and it works so well for him in this one position don't necessarily qualify him for the next position you put him in and you do have to train him. So you're absolutely right. That's an observation for all of you out there listening. I think that was worth the price of admission today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate the knowledge of that book. I'll have to look that. That's a good story, but yes, you know, it just reaffirms kind of that principle.
1: Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I just assumed you had read that book. Of course, I forget who the author was, but we can look it up and figure it out, but Tiffany, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. the quality of guests like yourself and the information that maybe people didn't know that this kind of stuff was out there and especially available for people in the health safety field and of course, our philosophy on this show is is everybody should be involved in the health safety field. you know we're all about health and safety it has to be at the top as well as the bottom and everything in between. And so I really like your concept about leadership training. I'll get you to, we'll talk off air here in a minute, and I'll get you to send me maybe two or three links that we can put in the show notes so that people who want to get more information can go there and and find out. And I guess you're on LinkedIn. We can put your LinkedIn URL in there if people want to contact you directly.
0: Yes, that sounds great.
1: All right. Well, that is great. And again, Tiffany, thanks for coming on the show. Again, to everyone out there listening, we thank you for listening. Please tell your friends to listen. Post us on LinkedIn and your other social media. Leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify. Or the review link that's in the show notes, and please tune in again next week for another episode of Knowledge Vine's Oil and Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Knowledge Vine is your dependable partner for full service human performance and safety consulting. Knowledge Vine error reduction that works. Discover more about Knowledge Bind by finding in the show notes our website link and other contact information, including the conference discount code I mentioned, or you can simply reach out to me on LinkedIn and we'll see you next time.
0: Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.